This is The Crucible. The JRTC Experience. This is Light Fighter Lessons. In this series, we discuss infantry warfighting skills and lessons learned in a decisive action training environment for large-scale combat operations at JRTC. Hi, uh, I'm Colonel Matt Hardman. I'm the commander of operations group and excited to have an awesome conversation today uh, about uh, fighting, uh, infantry, uh, training for combat uh, with some great non-commissioned officers uh, who I'm going to allow to introduce themselves uh, starting out here. Yeah, I'm uh, Command Sergeant Major Chris Masters from 3rd Ranger Battalion. I'm uh, Master Sergeant Pat Bailey from 3rd Ranger Battalion. And so for the last um, couple weeks, uh, we've had uh, an element up here from 3rd Ranger Battalion doing some training. It's been awesome uh, watching them uh, integrate as part of the rotation uh, and, and fighting here, uh, decisive action uh, scenario, uh, preparing for large-scale combat operations. And so uh, very fortunate to get uh, these NCOs to come join us today, uh, share their observations of what they've seen here uh, in the rotation, but also just have a larger conversation uh, about uh, infantry leadership, um, as well as lessons learned from the rotations or their obser observations from uh, their careers uh, training. And so, uh, you know, one of the unifying things that we talked about earlier when uh, Master Bailey, when we first met, was uh, uh, Sergeant Major Hall's uh, The Fundamentals of Combat and How to Train for It. I was fortunate enough to get a bootleg copy of that when I was a young lieutenant. Um, serving up at uh, JBLM, and then uh, reached out and got a digital copy uh, right before taking battalion command. And one of these documents I keep coming back to over and over again, uh, really to kind of channel the way I'm thinking. And so, you know, up front, I'd ask, you know, what, um, you know, that document that's been circulating in the Ranger Regiment back uh, all the way to the 90s, um, one, sort of your thoughts on that, um, and then two, how that really integrates uh, within the culture of the regiment. Yeah, I think what's interesting to see is, you know, uh, a chain of emails from the late 90s, um, how applicable they are to everything that's going on in, in 2022, right? Um, it, it's really just all focused around the basics, right? Um, and, and what it takes ultimately to be successful is, you know, understanding what those basics are and, and constantly working at them, um, right? There is no, there, there's no one that can just come in and just do something right off the bat, right? It takes a lot of hard work and a lot of discipline in, in the focusing on those basics. And, and really that's what all these, these emails talk about, right? It's, it's how do you train for this? And it's, it's by disciplined, um, engaged leaders that, that continue to drill those basics. Sorry, Major. Yeah, if you, if you look at the, uh, the last 20 years in, in, uh, in combat and all the experience, it, w it wasn't the combat experience that made us uh, that made everyone so good. It was the repetitions and the uh, the the TTBs that were developed versus our, your your SOPs. You know, most of 
the operations in the in the in that environment were, were in uncontested domains, and as you look at the future operating environment, that's going to be vastly vastly different. So those TTPs won't necessarily translate over. So the repetitions that you get in the fundamentals and how they apply in every environment that's that's what matters. How you know placing the the charge on the breach five times isn't what's going to make you an expert. It's ten thousand times until you get it right. And then you're going to do it again and again and again. So those repetitions, that's the experience that, that you need. And it's at, it's at every echelon. Whatever, whatever skill set that you have, that's, what, that's where you have to be to become profession, uh, proficient. You have to continue to, to iterate and, and uh, increase your reps. So I'd ask, uh, never served in the range regiment, but obviously, you know, served around a ton of people I have and have a ton of respect for that organization. I, I would tell you, what I would want to know is, is from, from your perspective I and mean, culturally, um, how, you know, how is that, how is that ingrained uh, in, in the range regiment and particularly the non-commissioned officer corps there? It, <clears throat> honestly, it starts, sir, it starts with uh, our selection and assessment process. We're looking for those individuals that uh, that are committed to to serving something that's greater than themselves. So they, they come in there with that that uh, sense of purpose to to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves and how they contribute to that uh, the greater organization. So we're looking at their their character, um, <clears throat> their you know are they trainable, their competence, so that when when you put them in these situations, they have the work ethic and the drive to continue to uh, to improve, um, and they instill that in their teammates um, because you're you're working alongside one another to um, improve them as well and, and show them what right looks like, so that you're continuing to uh, to to build that team. What about from your perspective, Master? I think what's really awesome to see is um, there's never any wasted time, or at least we attempt not to waste time, right? Um, the company currently is up at Peace on Ridge. They've been there for two days, and that entire two days has been spent them rehearsing every piece that they need to focus on to be successful in the Cal effects that they're about to execute, right? We just came from up there, and, you know, they have a massive train model that they're walking through. Um, they're going through and rehearsing the different breaches that they're going to have to do. They're talking through the things that need to happen on the support by fire. How are they actually setting the conditions to move to different phases of it? So it's never wasting any time, right? There's no reason anyone should just sit back and just be twiddling their thumbs, right? There's always something that can be trained, and, that, and that's kind of the, the, the culture that's kind of bred into the organization. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome, you know, from the two of you, like one, character, <laughs> coachability. Uh, Sergeant Major, and then, you know, uh, from you, Master, you know, this idea of, like, no wasted time, hitting the sled over and over again. And I think that that translates. I mean, as we, as, as we here at the Joint Readiness Training Center look at what we do, I mean, this isn't – we're not doing rocket surgery. We're not, you know, inventing, you know, boiled water. Uh, we're doing, you know, something that really breaks down to fundamental tasks, and it takes the character and commitment, the coachability – but to your point is like it just keeps doing it over and over again, and um, it's awesome to hear that because I do think at times there's this perspective that there's like some magic pill, you know that that Ranger Star Major is like if you, if I if I go to the store and I buy it and get the get the right packaging and I open it up, you know the action figure comes right out of the box that way. But you know one day, uh, not probably that long ago, you know you were a brand new Ranger, 
and got got grown into this through a lot of hard work from being coachable, from having the right character, and from doing the repetition over and over again. And, um, you know, I think oftentimes we think that there's some hack, um, but I don't think there kind of is. And I mean, as you're describing it, the, the hard work that the Rangers are doing right now up at Peace on before going to a live fire, like that's the difference maker. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, been my impression of, that's part of what I want to talk to the two of you is uh, my impression of, of Ranger NCOs is exactly that coachability, uh, that, uh, that character, as well as that commitment to, to repetition, to getting it right uh, over and over again. Um, what, um, you know, over the last uh, really 10 days or so, I guess a little earlier, you know, what's, what's been the experience and what sort of stood out to you, the things that have gone really well, um, with the company as they've prepared for operations here in Arnland uh, and executing? Yeah, I, th I think what's um, really interesting to watch is a focus has been company-level operations for us. Um, so the company was very successful when they were on that objective, um, dealing with whatever contingencies and whatever needed to happen to accomplish that mission on the objective. Um, one of the biggest learning points for us is, is you know, from infill, if it's a 10K movement, how do we take a company and, and get them through the woods, you know, as quietly um, and as tactically as possible? Um, and what we've seen is, you know, that's stuff that I think everyone finds they have to work on, right? You always can get better. Yeah. Um, and and what, what's been really neat to watch over, you know, eight days is all the repetitions and then how they're such a learning organization where they take the feedback, um, right, which is extremely candid feedback. Um, and then you see them take it and they execute it the next time they go out, right? So they're, they're constantly improving and getting better at the stuff that they know that, hey, we weren't as good at this as we should have been. Let, let's focus on this and let's, let's take that to the next level as they keep going. Um, but, but ultimately, you're looking at, you know, 13 days, I think, is the total amount of time that we'll be here. And you have a company that has done an airfield seizure. Um, they then walked probably over 30K. They did three different raids. Um, and hold on, I guess for everybody listening, they walked like the worst part of JRTC, yeah. just to be clear. Through Tornado Alley, right? <laughs> right. They're, they're, climbing, they're climbing over trees and everything else, right? Which is which makes it even more difficult to hide a company in the woods. Right. Um, but, you know, over that period of time, the amount that they have grown um, is, is really impressive to watch. Yeah, they demonstrated a, a ton of re resiliency after a few setbacks initially. I was talking to one of the squatters at uh, Peace on Ridge and asked him some of the lessons that he he had learned and <clears throat> you know, he he admittedly said that hey, we came in we came in too heavy. Like uh, there are a lot of things that we packed as a as a contingency that uh, we didn't really really need. Um, <clears throat> some of it goes all the way back to it certainly goes back to planning and preparation and and the timeline that was that was driving um, you know, they're, they're infill, but uh, based off leave considerations and, and not really coming back uh, acclimatized to go right into uh, such a harsh environment. <clears throat> and uh, anywhere from route selection to their loads, I mean, you look at, you know, soldiers should be able to carry about 30% of their body weight. So, but that's depending on the type of environment they're in and you're talking about some significant undergrowth and and then going through the marsh and then reacting to contact because of some route analysis another thing that he had said that would have been beneficial was uh you know we've we talk about carrying 
analog maps, like hard copy maps, as opposed to just in your, you know, uh, user end user device in your EUD and off the operating systems that we have, and having that so that you can compare the two because looking at it on your and user device is not the same as looking at contour lines and really understanding the terrain. And you, the enemy is going to know that terrain much better than you. So the, the more that you're prepared and analyze that and then layer those two optics together, the better off you're going to be. And so they had a lot of, a lot of tough lessons that really um, led to some exhaustion up front. <clears throat> but they were able to bounce back and, and continue to move forward. So, Yeah, I... I got the opportunity after the first mission they did to sit down with the company commander and first sergeant, and, and we talked about that fight and uh, and the soldier load uh, portion of it. And you know, one of the things I, I you know, I put this to you is you know the, we talk soldier load, but there's it's really unit load in some respects. And that was some of the dialogue that the company commander and first sergeant and I had is this idea of like, okay, we have individual things we have to carry. But then how do we spread that load across an entire company uh, for the mission in front of us? Um, you have to be really prescriptive and then be very engaged at every leader level to ensure that uh, you're, you're not straying from that. Because if you do, if you can't so get it. It's not shooter preference? It's not shooter preference. <laughs> yeah. not it's a case. little sarcasm. Yeah. De definitely not. And it, if you can't, if you attrit the majority of your force before you even, achieve, you know, get to the objective, I mean, you're already well behind the the power curve, and you're you're struggling. Um, <clears throat> and and the things that go along with that, your evac, your medevacs and casevacs, yeah. yeah, that's going to constrain the operation and, and and prevent you from getting where you need to be. So I think rightfully, we we ask and we want you know, our senior non-commissioned officers to give a lot of that, uh, that counsel and the, and the homework on how we, how we develop the load at the individual and unit level. But, you know, the, the kind of the feedback I gave to the company commanders, I think commanders got to have a role in this. They got to own the risk associated with it. There's got to be a real dialogue about the trade-offs and the risk that we're taking of carrying, you know, 35% body weight, 40% body weight and, and and what's the risk that comes with that or, or the other direction and going lighter? Um, and it's real conversations about risk that, that I think change. Um, and I don't think it's, frankly, just putting it on the non-commissioned officers and saying, hey, come up with the packing list. Even if they get it all right, I think as a commander, you have to understand the risk that's associated. Right. How do you, how do you tailor the or adjust your rate of march? What's the, yeah. the, you know, the weather and environmental impacts? All of that matters, and you have to be able to adjust you know, and adapt or else, yeah. I think I, um, after that first mission, I had a really good conversation with all the team leaders of the company. And the, one of the things we talked about is, you know, your commander and your first aren't need your bottom-up refinement to really help, you know, iron out all those specifics, right? Like, hey, this is what we're looking at as a packing list. You know, hey, we have this. I would recommend, you know, we may need to cut this or we need to bring this instead. We're going to cross-load this this way. Really provide that bottom-up refinement to really help kind of like iron out the details of those things to go along with the routes, right? Like as they're moving, hey, this is the terrain that I'm seeing. You know, I recommend a halt so we can go find a better way to go. You know, like that bottom-up refinement will really enable, you know, a, a company command team to make the decisions to decide, 
hey, this is what these guys are seeing. What risks am I willing to take if I need to be at this location in this amount of time? Or what risk am I not willing to take? And maybe I need to come back and say, hey, I need to push this no later than time to hit this objective because I'm running into different things I didn't expect to see. So, Yeah, I mean, that was uh, f- from both the commander and the first sergeant. The, the, uh, the, I think they definitely had a different understanding of time after that movement. Um, and, and this, you know, we're going to have to fight to, on, and beyond the objective. Um, and that, and that's slower, uh, doing business that way. Um, but I think, you know, Sergeant Major, to your comment, that we're going to be contested throughout. Appreciating that, that fact um, means that we probably approach some of these things a little differently than we have in the past. Um, and I, I love this, you know, the, you know, thinking on the ground, it's the, you know, it's rotating units, right? So it's maybe it's not first platoon gets to break brush the entire uh, time through uh, Hurricane Alley uh, down there. Um, it, you know, it's it's different movement formations based off, okay, who's in lead and what that looks like. And all that comes, I think you're exactly right, this bottom-up refinement and a lot of reps and practice doing it. Um, any other observations from from that first fight or that first movement? Um, I, I think it's it's really awesome to watch, you know, a, a company um, excel, right? Because um, ultimately there's tons of contingencies that got thrown in, um, and each contingency was met as a new problem set, and they found a way to fight through that problem set to continue on with the ultimate mission was. And I think that's all you really can ask for anyone in any training event, right? To, to come to a problem set or a contingency, fix that, and then continue moving on and, and learning from it, right? Um, I, th- I think that was, that's really fun to watch. Yeah, these exercises are incredibly beneficial because it helps you identify where your gaps are and where you need to focus because you can see, based off our observations, our actions on the objective went rather well. Absolutely. But our infill and our exfill, which, you know, we haven't developed the repetitions that and, uh, and exercised them as much as the actions on, we, you know, we're not, we're not as good as, as we could be. Yeah, and you know, comment you made uh, earlier too is I, um, I mean this this being self-critical and the willingness to actually be self-critical, you know, is I think the mark of, um, and, you know, is, is really this mastery. I mean, this idea that like we want to be around people that hold themselves to a high standard, that are self-critical about the things where they're coming up short, um, that do something and be like, yeah, you know, it was like pretty good, but here's all the ways it wasn't and we could be better at. Um, you know, organizations that learn faster are more likely to win in combat. <laughs> um, and, and it's a real mindset to be able to do that. And I mean, for listening to both of you, it's apparent, um, you know, that that is uh, for, for the two of you, but I think culturally within the Rangers, this mindset of being very, very self critical, very, very transparent and honest, and, and that feedback from team leaders and squad leaders uh, that you described. I think is a big part culturally of why you know that company's done well here. Uh, you know, hit challenges, learn from those challenges, incorporate lessons to the next fight. Um, and so, you know, we're learning, we're making mistakes, but we're making different mistakes. Right. Uh, and that's a great place to be uh, going forward. Did you have anything? Okay. Um, so, um, you know, some good conversations. Um, you know, one of the things I'd ask uh, from from what y'all are seeing, um, 
you know, in, in as we as we you know as an army as we've transitioned really from GWAT to large scale uh, combat operations, you know, I, what what would you want to be telling junior officers and NCOs out there in the force? Um, you know what what you've observed from your long careers, what you've observed kind of here, and that you want to you know help imprint across you know the force. Well, I think you know as you look at large scale combat operations and, and the the uh, transition from GWAT air mission sets, as I mentioned it before, you know, we were uncontested in most domains, and now we're going to be contested in all domains. You know, from phase zero, phase one, all the way through through Exfil. So, you know, it's a joint it's a joint fight. So these relationships and these experiences in, in NTC, JRTC, JMNRC, um, or any time that we can integrate with you know other um, adjacent units and, and and really build on those relationships and 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 improve our interoperability, that's what's going to make it, make us successful in the uh, in the future. And that's all the way down to the the lowest tactical leader. Um, you know his relationship with his teammates and and uh, and the the unit writ large, their commitment to to one another and the greater organization. You know that's the adaptability that you've got to display as uh, as you look at the uh, the future operating environment. Because we're talking about you know being being able to be targeted and killed before you even know that uh, you know you're being targeted. And that's a whole nother environment than what we're what we're used to. And we got to start thinking thinking along those lines on, on how do we counter that and it and it starts at the the youngest the youngest soldier you know caring about you know the, the greater good and, and and moving with and and destroying the enemy yeah <clears throat> and you know your your comment earlier about uh tackling problems learning from problems like that and that in and of itself, you know, in all the places that you can train and all the teammates you can be trained with, the practice at problem solving, um, whether you're talking at the fire team level or up to the brigade level, exactly, um, is the best preparation uh, in a lot of ways, I think, for, for combat, regardless of, of you know, what the environment that you think you're going to be fighting in, whether that's 2025 or 2030, the sets and reps at problem solving and working with teammates uh, is pretty foundational, and you know the great thing about here is like, I mean, we call this place the friction factory for a reason. Yeah. You know, tough environment physically, and um, a cyclic rate of of challenges that units get a get a press against and overcome. So I think that's uh, absolutely think that's a, a feature of what we got to do, and and the contested nature, um, you know, of what we think future combat, uh, large scale combat operations will look like. Um, means that you're getting to do more of that friction earlier uh, than maybe some of us have, have experienced in the past up to this point. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I think what's um, something you mentioned, sir, is, is building a foundation, right? Um, what, what makes people really good at, you know, solving problems as they, as they arise is it doesn't have to be actual training events at JRTC, right? It could be as simple as tabletop exercises, tactical decision games, because ultimately what you need is build a foundation of experiences where you've seen things that have happened and decisions that you could make and how to affect what is going on to solve the problem. And building that foundation gives you something to draw off of when you actually find yourself, whether it's here at JRTC or deployed, right? So yeah. like building that foundation is super important. And that doesn't come from, you know, uh, I went and I've done 
you know, three platoon live fires or I've done this many sticks lanes. It really comes from a whole bunch of reps that we were talking about earlier. And that foundation is what gives you something to, to like work off of when that problem set arise. It may not be the same problem set that you've seen, but you have an idea of something that you can do so you can take action, right? Instead of not being able to take action. So that would be my recommendation to junior officers or young NCOs, right? You got to you gotta get all those reps and it doesn't have to be out in the field, right? It can be in a setting much like this where we present our, each other a problem set and we come up with a solution in five minutes and then see what that solution takes us. Yeah, I think so as a big fan of tactical decision exercises games, I mean, I think that's a huge part because oftentimes like you do it and it's the dialogue uh, that reveals either that you have um, you know, a fundamental gap uh, of knowledge, which is like, okay, better to find it out there at a table with uh, three friends and a cup of coffee than, than in combat, uh, or, um, you know, encountering somebody that synthesized uh, information in a different way than you have, and that, that dialogue different, helps. Yeah, different perspectives. Right on. Um, and, and it, you know, your comments about what, what the, what the company's doing right now up at Pison is like no wasted time, yeah. you know, hitting it over and over again. Um, There's a, a, a sports team analogy that commands Sergeant Major Brett Johnson. He's the, uh, the regimental Sergeant Major, and he says, whistle to whistle. So when you're out there training, it's just like on the football field or baseball, you, you name it, it's whistle to whistle. So you're, that's, you're giving 110% that entire time. And then when it's time to recover, you, we'll, we'll recover. But while we're out there executing training, you're giving it your all and you're entirely focused. Absolutely, and I, you know, I think, um, I think that uh, you know, th this is a great place to get to do it because it's under high stress. Um, but I think that foundation of practice uh, to build fundamental skills is really, really important. And when we see that. Um, at every echelon, you know, staffs have to deal with it, right? Like the ability to execute military decision-making process. And I, f I firmly believe it, it takes a lot of reps before you get it pretty efficient. Um, you iterate over and over again, and that's going to build proficiency, which leads to competence, and then ultimately that's trust. If you, yeah. if your team leaders, every leader at Echelon is proficient and you trust them because they demonstrate that proficiency and their competence, then you know that's pretty powerful, and you'll be able to move in multiple directions and solve multiple problems, and you're empowering those leaders to do it because you trust them. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't say that. Yeah, anymore. right. <laughs> you said it. Yeah. Well, hey, um, I, I greatly appreciate uh, your time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you each the opportunity if there's something you want to close out with. And um, you know, it, it's been a ton of fun uh, having the Rangers here uh, at JRTC. You guys were uh, third battalion was here in the spring. Um, company element here this time uh, certainly. And I think it's awesome the investment of uh, senior non-commissioned officers that have come up and, and helped train this company and, and share a lot of great lessons with our team up here. I uh, feel fortunate to have you all here. Um, but uh, would open the floor to you if you got any closing comments or anything you want to talk about on the way out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, it's been a really great experience for us um, both times coming down here because it really gave us an opportunity to, to see ourselves um, in an environment where, you know, everything isn't, isn't planned, right? We didn't, 
we didn't plan what was going to happen. The company had to go into it and, and make decisions based off of what they were seeing, which, re which really helps you grow. Um, so I think it's been, it's been great for us being down here. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's been really successful. The company's been really successful, and, and, and they've grown and learned a lot and, and really have gone from good to great. You know, so. Yeah, one thanks. Thanks to the, all of GRTC, Geronimo, your staff, and, and everybody that really uh, enabled this exercise. It's uh, incredibly beneficial to to 3rd Ranger Battalion and the 75th Ranger Regiment. We were back here in March. We liked it so much that we came back in the <laughs> middle of the summer. You know, but uh, <clears throat> it, it's a, uh, it is really a good opportunity, as, as uh, Master Aaron Bailey mentioned, that to, to really see ourselves, figure out where our gaps are, and then just get better. Because this is the, this is the type of place uh, thrown into this environment that we want to learn these mistakes and not when we're, you know, faced with uh, an adversary that, that uh, is, is trying to, trying to, to kill us. So um, <clears throat> it is incredibly beneficial. Um, all the support received, it's, it's been phenomenal. So we truly appreciate it. We really do. So thank you, sir. Well, thank you guys. And, um, you know, Sergeant Major Mass Sergeant, as always, uh, you know, my interactions uh, with the, the folks from uh, the Ranger Regiment and 3rd Battalion in particular have been an, an incredibly professional um, and, you know, do appreciate you all living the charter, uh, giving back uh, to the force and, and helping, uh, you know, feedback and give back uh, to make the conventional army uh, better and stronger. And, and, you know, really it just starts with the role modeling that you do every day and appreciate it. And, uh, feel feel very uh, fortunate to have gotten to spend some time with you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Thank you for joining us on The Crucible, the JRTC experience. The Joint Readiness Training Center is the premier crucible training experience. We prepare units to fight and win in the most complex environments against world-class opposing forces. We are America's leadership laboratory. Again, we'd like to thank our guests for participating. This podcast was created and produced by Mr. John Mabes. It was recorded and edited by Chief Thomas Rich and researched by First Lieutenant Anthony Cho. Intro vocals were done by Mr. Robert Chopper. Special thanks to Captain Jermaine Branch and Mr. Jeff England from Public Affairs. Be sure to like and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest warfighting TTPs learned through the crucible that is the Joint Readiness Training Center. Follow us by going to https colon forward slash forward slash l-i-n-k-t-r dot ee forward slash jrtc we'd like to thank our partners at the center for army lessons learned of the combined arms center especially the jrtc call observations detachment be sure to follow them on social media as well follow them at https colon forward slash forward slash www dot army dot mil forward slash C-A-L-L. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review us wherever you listen or watch your podcasts. And be sure to stay tuned for more in the near future. The Crucible, the JRTC experience, is a product of the Joint Readiness Training Center.